IDHM Finance podcast where we talk about finance, business and life in general. Our aim is to provide you the right knowledge, the right mindset, the right path in order to achieve financial freedom and make your lives a tad bit easier. Hi guys, this is the second episode and I know you're all as excited as I am. So let's start off this episode with a positive quote by Albert Einstein. Try not to become a man of success, rather become a man of value. Hi guys, so welcome. Our guest for today is going to be talking about entrepreneurship, how you can start your business, where can you raise money from, how to curate an idea for your business, how to market your product, how to stay motivated and consistent and more. So please welcome Shalia from New York. Hi Shalia. I'm glad that you took time to be part of the podcast to share some invaluable information. So can you please introduce yourself to the audience? Yes. Hi, guys. Um, my name is Shalia, uh, also known as the Visionpreneur. Um, I'm a business coach. I help businesses start up. I help them operate and I also help them to grow. Um, I'm from the United States uh, in New York and I live here with my two kids and my husband. Wow. That's incredible how you have achieved a lot with being a mother of two kids. So Shalia, before we start, how has the lockdown period been for you? Like, how are you dealing with it or passing your time? So the COVID situation in New York and America is is pretty bad right now. Um, we're still in quarantine and basically we can't go outside. We can only go a select few places. There's really nothing open right now. So what I've been doing to like pretty much like pass the time and, you know, um, deal with it is I put myself more into the business aspect of things. I, um, I'm definitely doing more blogging. I'm doing more uh, recording. I'm learning more. So I feel like this time is a, is a really good time for everybody to really like take a breath, take a breather, step back and just focus on what they really want to do. Because right now is the time to focus. Um, no, a lot of people are not working right now. A lot of people are home, like doing nothing really. So now is the time to really like read more books and learn more skills and just do uh, more of what can improve, uh, improve ourselves. I absolutely agree. In this time, one can notice that there are a lot of problems that are arising. And these problems are actually opportunities for an entrepreneur to solve them and make an impactful business out of it. You can already see startups building products to help maintain social distancing or prevent the spread of the virus in any way. So definitely this is the right time to reflect upon your skills and leverage those skills to create something worthwhile. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And I just want to add to that, that um, a lot of businesses actually um, did better during um, downtimes and recessions and stuff like that. There were a lot of billion dollar businesses made in recessions and stuff like that. So right now is definitely the time. Definitely. Even I have noticed that businesses which are making disruptive changes in their operations are witnessing huge growth. Take, for example, Facebook. It entered into the e-commerce buying and selling space by incorporating a shop logo in its app, which is referred to as Marketplace. After that, the the share prices just skyrocketed. Even Amazon has witnessed a huge jump in its stock price because everyone is purchasing things online. 
Therefore, making the right choices at this point of time, like working towards building an e-learning platform is going to help a lot of many people and the entrepreneur as well. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So how did you develop your interest in entrepreneurship? Well, I would, I would have to say that I have been a lover of business and entrepreneurship since I was a child, since as long as I can remember, because when I was about 10, 11, like I can remember just always thinking of ways to make money. Um, I lived in like a kind of like a suburban neighborhood. So like I would find ways to find little things to sell or, you know, wait, just, just ways to make money in general. Like I, I just always had that entrepreneurial spirit in me. So um, it didn't really develop. It was kind of just like there all along. So I just kind of honed it over the years. Wow. That's really interesting. You having the zeal to make money at such tender age, like 10 or 11 years, and trying to sell different kind of objects really shows that you are not only someone with an entrepreneurial mindset, but also someone with very good selling skills. Definitely. <laughs> so how long has it been that you have been learning about business? Um, well, I would have to say a good 10 years because um, after, um, after my childhood, I didn't really... Like, I didn't really know where to go with the business, with, with the entrepreneurial spirit in me. So it didn't, it took for, it took a few years for me to actually, you know, hone in on that. So in college, I took a few courses. I took, I took a few, I, I, I took up a few majors and stuff like that before I actually went into the business major. So I actually graduated in 2017 with my bachelor's in business administration. And from then I started a few businesses and that's when I really started to you know jump in there and start learning things and you know developing more skills and stuff like that so I could really you know grow my business that's really inspiring to have taken up a degree to follow your passion and 10 years of learning about business is really commendable thank you so what has been the story behind the visionpreneur and how did you come up with the name so the visionpreneur was um, something that I felt was like really personal to me because I really feel like in order to be an entrepreneur, you have to have vision. So in order to really succeed, the vision has to be there. So visionpreneur is really a combination of visionary entrepreneur. So if you're a visionary entrepreneur, then you will succeed. You have to have that vision. You have to have that focus. You have to have that that insight and that foresight in order to be successful. Exactly. There's a very prominent example that comes to my mind about Elon Musk. When he was starting to build his company SpaceX, which was devoted towards commercialization of space flight, American heroes like Neil Armstrong, Eugene Sermon, who were actually idols for Elon, testified against his idea. But his vision towards building the company was so strong that we all know where SpaceX is today. Yes, exactly. Like it takes, like not everybody is really going to see what you see, but as long as you have that vision and that focus and that drive, you can make it happen. You don't have to have to have everybody on board with the idea. You just have to make it happen as long as you have that vision. Exactly. What are your thoughts about 95 jobs and is it worth leaving them? Um, well, the way I always felt about nine to five jobs is that they're not secure. At any moment, 
of at any time they can decide, oh, we don't want you to work here anymore. So I feel like they say job security, but I feel like that's like an oxymoron because jobs are not secure. So I feel like if you have a nine to five right now and you want to leave it, it is worth taking the risk. It's definitely worth taking the risk because you can make way more money. You can set your own hours and you can develop, you can build wealth. You can never build wealth with a job, with a nine to five job. You can only build wealth through a business or investments, stuff like that. Exactly. Even in this tough point of time, you can see that millions of people have lost their jobs. The first and foremost thing that a company thinks about controlling cost is just laying off or cutting off the salaries of the employees. So definitely, there are many risks attached to having a 9 to 5 and just depending on it for your survival is not at all enough. You need to have multiple sources of income. And if you think calmly, it's you that needs to take control of your life. Yes, definitely. Jobs are not safe. Jobs are, jobs are actually scary to me because you don't know the certainty of the, the company itself. You don't know um, if they're, if they're going to do layoffs or if they're going to um, hire uh, new people and, 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 and let you go. You, you don't really know the certainty of a job. It's, 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 it's not certain at all. <laughs> so they're scary to me. Exactly. And just like you have put in so many hours in your job, if you put in those many hours in a business like five or 10 years, then definitely with focus and determination, you'll be able to create something much more worthwhile and earn a very good living out of it. Definitely. Way more than you could make if you, if you stick, it, stick, your, stick it out at a job. Yeah. So what factors do you think are necessary to consider when you are shifting yourself from a job to a business? Um, I would say that you should definitely make sure that you can financially support yourself. So say your income is uh, $2,000 a month at your job. You should make sure that your business is making at least $2,000 a month so that you can transfer easily from job to your business. Not everybody can do that right away. So sometimes you have to work a nine to five and start your business at the same time. So, but I would just say that you should be able to cover all your bills and maybe have a little extra leftover. Very true. Well, that's the idea behind the side hustles that people do in order to acquire assets that are cash flow positive. So once those cash flows that you get from those assets are equivalent to your monthly salary, that's the right time that you can decide whether you should be quitting your job and working full time on your business. Exactly. Yes. And how should a person approach towards curating an idea for a business? So, yeah, everybody has uh, business ideas. Everybody has uh, great, you know, ideas for a, a great business or an idea for like a, a product or whatever. But what I think that people should do is ask themselves, is there a need? Because if there's no need for your product, no matter how great it is, it's not going to sell. So that's where market research comes in. You test the market and see if there is a need for the product or service. And if there's not, then they should move on. If there is, then they go on developing the product. Exactly. There are even sites like kickstarter.com wherein like people can just register their prototype on those sites. And once like people start funding those by making pre-orders, and that's the way people can actually identify whether there is a demand for the product. And ultimately, if there isn't, then their project is not going to be funded by the people. 
so that's the time when you need to move on sometimes people get very stuck to their ideas and their products and they just think that okay i'm gonna use it that's why the other people are also gonna use it so just think about it that about the perspective of the consumers whether they will be using the product that is so true that is very true because like a lot of times people will get so become so in love with their product that they're like oh my god i love this product so much and i just want to put it out there and then they don't do the market research and then their product fails and they're like what happened like i thought this was a great product the importance of market research is oh my god it's it's really important to do market research before you put all your money in before you put all your time before you put all your effort in do your market research exactly a considerable amount of research needs to be done prior to starting off your business exactly yes yeah so what are the driving forces that needs to be behind an entrepreneur in order for him to be motivated and consistent i believe that um an entrepreneur should be motivated motivated by their why why are you doing this what is the what is your 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 end game your end goal my why is i want to create financial freedom for myself and for my family i want to build generational wealth and i feel like the motivation will come from thinking about your why cuz there'll be times when you want to give up there'll be times when you want to just throw in the towel and be like i'm done with this and then you just have to think about your why like why are you doing this you want to make a you want to make an impact right you want to change the world you want to improve other people's lives and you want to do it for your family so you have to go back to that why because every day you're not going to be motivated every day you're going to feel like oh i don't feel like doing this today i just want to you know go have fun or go hang out with my friends or whatever but you have to keep in mind your why absolutely patience is something that is of way more importance than we think when you are venturing into an entrepreneurship journey take for example jack ma jack ma applied to various jobs and actually did not land up to any he went for a kfc job where 24 people were the applicants and 23 were accepted only he wasn't selected he went for a police force job where five applicants were there and he was the only one again who was not accepted he then went off from jobs to entrepreneurship undertakings and so first two of his businesses also failed like he could have stopped dreaming bigger but there was something there might be some why behind it that i need to do something big that has kept him going and today we all know him as the founder of alibaba and one of the richest men in the world definitely definitely and like seeing other people's success stories like tyler perry and 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 other people that failed their way to success that will help motivate you as well like just listening to motivational audios and just seeing how people really failed so much until they made it that is that is motivation in itself to me that's true so what is a business plan and how can a person approach towards it so that he can pitch his idea in a better manner so a business plan is basically the way i see it is it's a road map it's it shows you where you are where you're going and how you're going to get there so and a person new to business should think about what they like first they should think about where they are think about if it's the right time to start their business then the next step is they would think about where they want to go so they would do things like market research and they would um test out the market and then they would go on to projections and stuff like that but a business plan doesn't really have to be 
complicated and stuff like that. It just has to be a plan. Like, how are you going to get to where you want to be? How are you going to get your business to where you want it to be? So once you figure all that out, you can come up with a rough draft sort of thing and then pitch it. Exactly. Even if you see shows like Shark Tank, you'll see that the investors are concerned about how easy it is to explain the benefits of the product to the consumers. If that is easy, then your product makes sense. So also, if you can explain your whole business idea in one page, then it makes sense. If you can explain your business to a five-year-old kid, it makes sense. What I'm trying to say is that it's about making things simpler instead of making them complex. Exactly, yes. That That's a, the perfect example, actually. That's really great, yes, because if... um a person could have like a 10 page business plan and not be able to explain any of it, or they could have a one page business plan and, and be able to explain everything on it. The person with the one page business plan will probably win over the person with a 10 page business plan any day. So it's not about, it's not about qual- quantity it's about quality. So true. Like even Mark Cuban says that if given an option to choose between a person who has done an MBA and who has read the book rework, he would invest in someone who has read the book Rework instead of an MBA. So definitely these people understand the importance of quality over the quantity of knowledge. Exactly. Yeah. So how should a person work towards setting a price for his product so that it appeals to the masses? So when you're pricing a product, do you want to take into account the value that it has? And you also want to take into account how it will change the lives of other people. You also want to take into account how much, how much it costs you to make that product because you don't want to, you don't want your project profit margins to be like way too much or whatever. You want your profit margins to be in the right place. So look at how much it costs to make the product and then set your price based on that and based on the value that you're providing. Right. And also you can have huge profit margins as well. Like there might be products which are priced at $4, but the cost of that product might just be 50 cents. So it's about what is the perception of the customer towards the benefits of the product. If the benefits are much more than the cost for the buyer. So suppose he's buying a $3 product and he likes the benefits of it then definitely you are free to charge that amount and it's viable also it makes you attractive in the eyes of the investors as well and therefore you will be able to get venture capitalist funds as well as be able to make some royalty deals if that kind of a situation arises exactly those are good points yes you're you're absolutely right your investors like to look at um what the profit margin is because they want to know that they're putting their money into something that's going to be making them money in the long run. So that's definitely a good example. Yeah. And what are the sources through which an entrepreneur can raise funds for his business? Um, There are many ways to raise capital for the businesses. Um, You could use crowdfunding like Kickstarter. Um, I can't think of any other platforms, but like basically other people put their money in to invest into your business. Um, You could also use um, your savings account. Um, You could also use a bank loan right now. Bank loans probably are a little harder to get because of the economy and the um, pandemic. Um, And you can also use family and friends. You could also, um, you could ask them to, you know, support your business, support your dream, you know, 
get a little bit a little bit of money for everybody and from everybody and um fund your business that way but um i would say the best way is to you know work yourself you know, through your 9 to 5 and then through your savings start slowly you know just start buying things here and there that you need for your business and start that way basically exactly because most of the time when people start their businesses they think of building million dollar businesses on the very first day but they need to understand that you need to start small also taking a loan might not be a good option for you because there is an interest obligation that becomes a fixed cost for you and you might not be ready for that burden also getting investors at a very early stage might not be a good fit for your company because they might ask for a very high equity stake because you are vulnerable because of being very new so savings and friends and family's funds is actually a way better approach also some businesses make profits from the very first sale and this helps to fund the future sales by the profits of the previous sales so that's actually a good method if you need to fund your business on your own exactly yes great yep and how do you prepare a financial forecast for your business so a financial data forecast for the business is usually um is usually made through your cash flow statement your balance sheet and your income statement i believe so basically you have to know where you are where you stand financially and you forecast it based off of those um three forms. So you have to know what you're working with. You have to know your your income, you have to know your expenses, you have to know your profit and your revenue. You have to know all that before you can um make a financial data forecast for your business. Exactly. All those three statements are very useful for forecasting. However, the main two points that the investors are concerned about are the top line and the bottom line that is the revenue and the profits so usually the forecast period is around minimum 5 years and you can then forecast for 10 years or 15 years down the line and the way we do it is you can use the previous growth rate in the incomes and expenditures in order to ascertain the amounts that might be incurred in the future so this forecasting actually helps you in order to prepare for the expenditures that are about to come and also target the ascertained revenue amounts that have been shown in the forecast yes yes definitely yes and so what are the different control measures that one can take in order to control the costs that are being incurred in the company um i would say just to keep track of of uh, the expenses that you're incurring and like i have a, like a really simple method just writing everything down or you could have um like a software that tracks everything so that you don't incur too many costs um i i believe uh, quickbooks does it for you and um There's a, there's a few programs out there. I can't think of them right now, but um there are um ways to track it. So I would just track it that way or write it down. That's the easy way to do it and just make sure that you're not incurring too many costs because then you are cutting into your profits basically. That's actually so true. There are softwares like Harvest, there's the Oracle Primavera, and these all softwares can actually be used in order to track the costs that are being incurred whether it be related to administration or maybe marketing. manufacturing transportation employee expenses and those kind of expenses but the main thing is that you should have a close observation on all these aspects when you're doing the business 
sometimes you will see that people try to compete with very big companies like people will say i'm going to deliver in one day just because amazon is also doing it however they do not observe that they might actually be having more cost incurred and the customers might be ready to wait for it so see to it that okay you might take 7 days of time to deliver and maybe you send a bulk of seven orders at a time instead of sending one order at a time and that way you will be able to save on your transportation cost so look for those kind of aspects in your business and try to control the costs so that is something that needs to be taken care about that is very say? true yeah because like when you're first starting out especially like it can be easy to lose sight of the costs that you're incurring So it's definitely important to look at stuff like that like shipping costs and you know how much everything is going to cost you in the long run and like where you can save money here and where you can save money there like it's 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 important to keep track of it because you can definitely lose sight of what you're paying for especially when there's so many expenses when that 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 it takes to run a business Exactly right now a lot of companies are incurring huge cost on employees so like staffing costs are very high in case of IT companies or maybe Amazon as well wherein a lot of employees are hired however there are companies which are working on eradicating that cost there is those are actually working on automation like they are using the machine learning and artificial intelligence to see which tasks are repetitive and do not actually require a human being sitting out there and taking care of the tasks so automation is something that's disrupting the industry and taking care of the task at a very low cost as compared to an employee being hired for the same so that is something that's happening and i think that's going to help a lot of businesses to lower the cost definitely and it's also a way to save time because automation is 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 really key in business so you don't have to be there all the time so it's definitely a way to save time as well that's so true now coming to location does location play a role in the success of your business and if yes then how should one go about choosing the same so location is extremely important when it comes to starting your business um especially if you have like a brick and mortar uh store you want to look into the demographics you want to look into the foot traffic you want to look into the accessibility like how can people easily access it you want to look into parking you want to look into the proximity of other businesses and you want to look into do you have any competition around so all of this is part of the market research process too so if you're looking at all of those and everything looks good then you probably found yourself a good location Yeah so actually location is an aspect that needs to be included in your market research you need to do that prior to starting off your business so some of the aspects that you can see is how many people are accessing the market through foot you can also see how many competitors are there for the same product that you are thinking of selling you can also enter into ancillary product businesses so suppose someone is selling a mobile so you can also have accessory shop wherein you are selling maybe back covers or maybe accessories or maybe some skins for your mobile so those kind of ancillary products work very well near to the complementary products so think about situations like that as well that's actually a good idea like looking for businesses that have um products similar or like in relation to your products that's a good idea to look for businesses um like that around the location that you're looking at that's actually really smart <laughs> exactly the same model can be applied to various industries so even like there are car dealerships which actually do not have a workshop near them so you can also set up your own repair shop for cars or accessory shop for cars nearby those car dealerships so people can actually go buy a car from the dealership and get all the accessories and all the repair works done from you so that's actually the kind of 
thinking you should have in order to get into the complementary businesses aspects as well. Yeah, and they could also the uh, the the repair shop could also cross promote with the dealership and offer customers a special discount or something in order to re- retrieve their business. So that's an example of the marketing that goes on. You know, you you can cross promote with people and 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 gain uh, business that way. So say that the car dealership was opening, and they see they see the 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 uh, the auto body shop down there, and they feel like they could cross promote together. That's like a really great idea. Yes, and even if you see big giants like Amazon, their operations in India are very very smart. So look at the way that they deliver to the customers. There are many people who order for different kind of products, and usually they might be working or are not present at their homes. So what they do is they order and then they select the delivery location as the nearest grocery store or maybe any shop that is nearby. what amazon is doing is it is very smartly using the distribution channel and the infrastructure of these small shops to deliver convenience to its customers so that's a very very smart move on the part of amazon yes yes i think that is very smart on amazon's part very smart <laughs> yes and i've also seen that you have been promoting various kinds of digital products like ebooks on your platform So can you just give a brief idea about how are digital products or digital businesses better than the brick and mortar models? Um there are a lot of advantages to having an online business as opposed to brick and mortar like you have less overhead. You don't have to haul a bunch of books or or products or whatever and and have a place to stash them. You don't have to find a place to put them basically. Um so you have less overhead less overhead. um with digital products there i find there are a lot of um times where there's something that i want to add in or change or whatever so it's easy to update the book or whatever or the the product or whatever without having to like change the whole thing and then lose a bunch of money on the the lose a bunch of uh products that i already created so um it's definitely easier to update and it's easy to correct mistakes like if it's a typo or whatever i can just easily uh change it and then update it upload it to the site or whatever and it's really simple like that and when it comes to brick and mortar stores it's um it's a lot more overhead it's a lot more expenses and stuff like that and i just feel like brick and mortar might be on its way out the door because i see a lot of places closing now i see macy's closing i see payless stores closing i see a bunch of like big name retail um places closing uh, toys r us included So I feel like brick and mortar is really on the way out and online is really on its way in um like Amazon. Exactly. I order from Amazon almost every day. Like there's something I need from Amazon, I order it. Something I need for like toothpaste, I order it. If I need uh um shoes or a shirt or something, I order it. Like it's it's so much more convenient and it it takes up less time to just order it rather than going into the store and you know stuff like that. So I feel like brick and mortar is really like on its way out. Exactly. Look at all those ebooks and video courses that are available online. It's so easy to edit them if there's any mistake that's found or any typo error or something. Just like you said. And you can also see one of the most prominent examples of digital products that are apps that you use on your mobile. 
don't you see that you get frequent updates for all these apps you might be using facebook you are using youtube you are using the instagram so all those apps are digital products and you get very frequent updates if those were actually sold in a cd and you would have been installing them on your laptop or any other device and you would have to then again purchase a latest update by purchasing another cd so that would become a very hassleful like job so in order to avoid that internet has really changed the way that things work today even the stock market news look at the stock prices that move they move by the news that's coming daily so if you are going to buy a magazine that comes every week so the information that comes to you is after one week and you might not actually notice that the magazine has the information that's old and that way you would not be able to make the right decision towards buying a stock and if you are uh, using a digital product to give information about stocks, for example, so then you would have the latest information and that way you will ha have the ability to make the right decision towards buying a stock or whatever it is. So that's the thing. Digital products are definitely the way in, just like you said. Exactly. And I feel like if you pay attention to the things that are going on, going on in the world, um, DVDs, they're like almost obsolete because everybody is streaming things online. Everybody is streaming music. Everybody's streaming movies and TV shows and everything. So DVDs are like on their way out. CDs as well. I feel like CDs, like, yeah, you can use them for your car, but like most of the time you're playing it through your phone. Um, just if you just pay attention to the world, everything is digitalizing. So digital products are really where it's at and brick and mortar is like on its way out. Definitely. And even if you see in the market, there's a lot of adaptability towards these digital products as well. Earlier, we used to buy DVDs in order to see movies or something or listen to songs or something. Today, everyone is streaming online. See the number of millions of subscribers that are being added to the database of Netflix or maybe Amazon Prime or the Disney News. So every person is streaming online and they are adapting to these changes. So it's a really positive sign. And People are accepting the change that's happening in this digital market industry. Yes, definitely, definitely. And what are the different kind of marketing strategies that one can adopt to get the maximum number of customers? So there are tons of marketing strategies out there. My favorite um, way to market is through social media because those are where the most people are. So definitely start with social media uh, marketing. Start with Facebook, Instagram. Um, some people market on Twitter. I usually, I love Pinterest, so Pinterest as well. Um, but just putting yourself out there, making sure that everybody knows who you are, putting your brand out there, promoting your products, and um, telling your story, basically. So market, marketing really has a lot to do with you now. You are your brand. You are your business. So putting yourself out there is the number one way to market. And, and build a following. Um, ads are another way to market, um, but if you're not really um, ad privy, you could also um, take classes and stuff like that and, and make sure that you're up on your ad game, but it's mostly social media right now. Social media and, ad, and ads, what I would have to say are my number two marketing strategies. Exactly. Look at all those products that are there on the market today. How are they marketing? 
you will observe that they have an emotional connect in their videos. You will see that most of the people are making videos that are emotional and people get attached to those videos and ultimately get curious about who made this. Okay, it's about some company. Okay, what are their products? And they ultimately get attached to the products of that company just because they got emotionally connected towards it. A very important game that can be observed here is like even big companies like Coca-Cola, they're making ads which makes the people connect to their product. So there was an ad wherein a small boy was distributing Coca-Cola to all the hardworking people that were working even on the day of Christmas. So that was something so kind of him and that's what made people connect to that ad and people who started buying more and more Coca-Cola after just that ad. So it's the emotional connect that you make between the consumers and the video and the marketing you do and ultimately that converts into the purchase by the consumers. So that's a very, very smart way that people are playing with the emotions in their ads. Exactly. And I just want to add to that, that um, another marketing strategy is the no like trust factor. You need to get to know your audience. They need to get to know you. They need to trust you. And then that's when you get the, uh, the sale. No like trust. Exactly. That's actually an example of word of mouth. When you're buying online, you usually tend to watch for the reviews or the ratings of the products. You usually see what people have commented about the product. The word of mouth, the perception of the people towards the seller, the perception of the people towards the product, all definitely makes an impact on the sale of the product to maximum number of customers. So all that things need to be kept in place. Yes, I can definitely relate to that because 95% of people um, who want to buy something, they look at the reviews. So um, definitely you have to build the no like trust factor, build good customer service and stuff like that in order to get people to trust you enough to buy the product. That's very true. Coming to the next question, does customer service play a role in customer retention? And if so, what can be done in order to improve the kind of service that customers receive? Okay, so my number one um, rule is the customer is always right. So I believe customer service plays a great role in customer retention rate. If a customer comes to you and they're like, they want to buy something and you treat them with um, kindness and respect and you make sure that you're taking care of them and making sure you're, you're um, assisting them with what they need, they're going, to, they're going to remember that. They're going to remember that, wow, this person was really nice to me and I really like the way they do business and I'm going to come back. But if you're not so nice to them and you're, you're, you blow them off and you're just like, yeah, 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 and you're not very helpful, then you're probably not going to get their service again. Or you're probably not going to get their service at that time either. So customer service is major in business. So I definitely believe that the customer is always right. You treat them with respect. You treat them with kindness. You make sure you're taking care of all their needs and they will be repeat customers. And I can definitely attest to that fact because it has happened to me in my business. That's, that's really amazing because it's a very true thing. Like you will observe that people are busy selling their products to hundreds of people. And even if there is one complaint, people forget to attend those complaints. People need to understand that one loyal customer is better than 100 potential customers because that one loyal customer will bring in more than 100 customers to you. So that is something that you need to look into it. 
It's the experience that the customer gets at the counter when he comes to your shop. That is a very preliminary way in which you can influence him and make him like your business and come again and again. You'll observe that there are some shops near you and you might be visiting those shops for years. It's just because the shopkeeper or the person who's dealing is very nice and kind to you and he's able to handle your complaints and grievances in a well-fashioned manner. The way that you make your customers feel with the product will make them very happy and they will tend to give more and more and more information about the same product to others as well because they're proud of using your product because they're proud of the service that they're paying for. Exactly. And I just want to add to that, that uh, one negative review can really harm your business. It can really turn away um, potential customers. If you have one bad review and the review is like detailed and they're like, oh, this person didn't take care of me. This person wasn't professional. Like that can really damage your business. You might not think that one review can damage your, your business, but it really can. It can it can hurt the chances of somebody else coming to you for business. Wow, that's actually true. Like even if you see shows like Restaurants on the Edge on Netflix, so you'll see that there are restaurants which are at very good locations, prime locations, sea facing and all that. But there are many negative comments on their restaurants reviews that you will see that Google reviews mentions many negative aspects about the product or the placement of the chairs or many things that they are. So what the restaurateurs do is they fail to address those complaints. The first and foremost thing that you need to learn is that you need to cater to all the negative comments that are there because once these complaints keep on piling up, it affects your reviews and it affects the future potential customers as well. Even if one negative comment comes up, the first and foremost thing you need to do is get in touch with that person, ask what went wrong, work on improving that aspect of the business and then call that person again that, okay, we have worked upon the problem. Now it's fixed and you can revisit our location. We will be very proud to invite you again. So that's the kind of customer service that you should be having, that you listen to the customers. Absolutely. Yes. Very true. And how can one find the right mentor for their business? Because a lot, many people are very new to this line and they do not have prior experience in business. So, um, I believe that you can find a mentor pretty much anywhere. Um, most uh, cities have uh, local small business associations, like the Small, the S small Business Administration, where they have um, mentors that can help you there. Or you could go to social media and ask for, you know, someone that you follow to mentor you. Um, but it really all depends on the resources, the resources that you have. So I would probably try to find a mentor that's doing the same thing I'm doing, that is a little bit ahead of me and I would ask them for mentorship or, or just like follow, you know, their leadership, you know, join a group, join a Facebook group or, you know, just find some way to connect with someone and, and, and ask them for mentoring. It's really just a matter of, you know, where you want to go for that. Do you need physical mentorship or do you need um, online mentorship? There's, there's options pretty much. Yes, I love the fact that you said that the mentor should be a bit ahead of you because I see that people, they come up with some idea, then they'll go and ask their friends, okay, do you think this product's good? Do you think I should keep the pricing in such a way? 
and the thing is that his friend might not be aware about anything about that business and the friend might not know how the pricing mechanism works in the market so it's very very necessary to reach the right people who have already done what you're going to do so you should be having some person who's actually experienced in that field who has actually done what you're trying to do who is actually at a place where you want to reach because this person will be very much able to guide you on what mistakes you should not be incurring and he'll be able to guide you with the difficulties that you might be going to face if you were doing it all alone this will actually help you to reach to a better place in your business at a much faster pace yes definitely um finding a mentor who's a little bit ahead of you is um is extremely better than finding a friend because friends they have no experience finding a friend to mentor you is like uh, asking somebody like a baby to run your business you 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 can't ask people that have no experience in what you're doing for advice on your business exactly and just like we talked about the associations that exists in various cities across in india we have a website by the name of startupindia.gov.in wherein you can just enter the kind of sector you're looking for and the region specifically so that way you'll be able to find a mentor that is in the particular industry and is in close proximity to you and that way you'll be able to get someone who has prior knowledge in that particular industry and you'll be able to get a much better hold of the information from him Definitely yes. I think that's a good that's good on India's part to um to offer a portal for small businesses. That's 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 really commendable because up here uh in in the US it's I mean they don't make the information readily known so it's kind of like you have to go digging for it but um they do have resources for small businesses out here. Yes. And do you think that networking skills play a very important role for an entrepreneur? when he's looking forward to scaling his business yes definitely i would say that networking skills are better than having a bachelor's degree like you could have a bachelor's degree and not know what what to do with it and you could have networking skills and get to know the right people who can put you where you really want to be so i believe networking skills are extremely important when it comes to scaling when it comes to starting when it comes to anything networking will get you further will get your foot in the door more than a bachelor's degree so yeah basically yes and i've also seen a program on udemy wherein it says an mba in one course the usp of that course is just that he teaches networking skills he says that if you learn from me i will teach you to meet anyone in this world how you can go about meeting anyone in this world so that is why there are lakhs of students that took that course and that is how important a networking skill is it helps you to get nearer to people who have the right knowledge and this age is about the information everyone who has the right information at the right time is the winner of the market so getting access to that right information is of utmost importance and that is something that comes with the right networking skills yes definitely i totally agree Yes and coming to the last question of the day what tips would you give to all the new startup entrepreneurs out there Um I would definitely say never give up Um I would also say to learn as much as you can 
at, to, to hone your skills and build skills and stuff like that. And I would definitely say find a mentor. And um, it, it can be overwhelming for new entrepreneurs, you know, with all the information and all the things that they have to do. But if they just stick to the course, then they can definitely be successful. It's really, it's not easy. It's not going to be easy. Like a lot of people see um, the success of other people and then they believe that it's going to be easy. They don't see all the work, all the, all the, the late nights, all the early mornings, all the works and headaches and everything that, that goes into being an entrepreneur. But if they put in the work and stick the course, they can be successful. Wow. It's a really good advice. I just remembered what Gary Vee used to say is live in a basement, eat a pizza and work for 24 hours a day. If you could do that, you will be successful. You have to have a spirit and that spirit needs to be very strong. Failures are inevitable. If you see the stories of all those successful people, they have failed. But what kept them going was the never give up attitude. So keep working, keep hustling until you make it to where you want to be. Yes, definitely. I love what you said about Gary Vee. I, I feel like... um. Definitely sitting in the basement with eating a pizza and working on your business 24 hours is the way. Like if time is the most important asset that you can have. Um, if you have time, you can build a business. Like for people that are mothers or have other things going on and stuff like that, they ha- they're like kind of like a step behind because they have less time to, to focus on a business. But if you have that time, oh my gosh, you can do anything. So thank you so much, Shalia, for being part of this amazing conversation. I really enjoyed talking to you and I think you gave some really good insights to the audience. I think this is going to help a lot of entrepreneurs out there. So thank you for making an impact and being a part of it. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed being here and and, and partaking in this conversation with you. Thanks so much. That was Shalia, a very cool mom and then an extraordinary business coach. Thanks a lot for tuning into IDHM Finance Podcast. You guys have a very nice day ahead. We'll be back with a new episode. Till then, take care and hustle hard.